Hi, this is Corey Turner, and along with my wife Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. Well, thank you very much, and uh, it's great to be with you again today. Hope that you're well, and... Uh, 2020 is definitely proving to be uh, one of the more challenging years of all of our lives. And I want to encourage you to uh, stay the course and persevere through whatever it is that you are facing and working through very real and practical challenges. Uh, I am conscious of the fact that uh, you may even be wondering how in these season of restrictions we're able to even record what we are recording for Sunday services We just want to let you know that we have pre-recorded all of these services uh, during these uh, restrictions so that we can do what we need to do to present our best possible ministry to you and to everyone who's uh, engaging and connecting with us. Um, Just want to let you know that we here uh, on staff are praying for you. We uh, really are missing you, as I'm sure that you're missing gathering together with friends and family and other believers uh, here at Numa Church. For those of you who are not connected to Numa Church, but you are watching and viewing this online, uh, the state of Victoria and the city of Melbourne is uh, under some pretty extreme restrictions presently uh, that is limiting what we can and can't do, not only as a church, but in our community. But I just praise God that our prayers uh, are not limited. Uh, The gospel is not limited. The power of the Holy Spirit is not limited. And we're going to lean in and hear more of what the Spirit of God might want to say to us today as we continue this series around the war of words. Can I also remind you that our Disciple the Nations Summit is coming up very soon at the end of August. And uh, that will be a digital uh, event that you'll be able to access and and you must register for online. So make sure that you check out all of the details on our website to be a part of our global mission focus that we talk about and present to you as a congregation and to the wider community at the end of August. Well, we've been praising, we've been praying and declaring And uh, I'm going to pray one more time as we get into the Word. So let's get ready. Father, we just thank you today for your grace. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your kindness. We thank you, Father, that you go before us and you make a way, oh God. And I just pray today that there would be this peace that passes all understanding, that would guard our hearts and minds. There would be this calmness, oh God, but also this, uh, Lord, spirit of uh, righteousness and this spirit of um, uh, commitment to persevere despite the practical challenges and the things that we're facing. I pray, Holy Spirit, right now that you would fill us with your presence and you would fill us with your power. That, Lord, even as I communicate your word today uh, through all of these services, that, Holy Spirit, you would come and you would apply it to our hearts. You would convict us. You would challenge us. You would speak to us, Lord God, that we would become more like Christ and that, God, you would be glorified in our lives, in everything we do, in everything that we are. We just commit this moment to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to invite you to turn with me to uh, Matthew chapter 12, verse 33. 
and I'm going to be reading through to verse 37, and uh, I'm going to read the words of Jesus uh, as he responds to the Pharisees uh, from some of his own thoughts about the power of our words. This is our second week looking at the series War of Words. Jesus has got something to say about our speech. And he, verse 33 of Matthew 12, he says this, Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you'll be justified. And by your words, you will be condemned. I want to speak to you today on the subject, the heart of the matter. We're going to look at the heart of what is behind this war of words. Now, uh, the study of neuroscience tells us and confirms that the speech center in the brain directly influences all the nerves in our body. And the speech nerve center has so much power that simply speaking can trigger a physical response and a physical stimulus in our body. Well, there was a, another ancient neuroscientist, the Apostle James, Dr. James in James chapter 3, who has already had a revelation thousands of years ago into the power of the speech centre, the tongue. And he said, the tongue is a small member, but it's able to direct the entire body. Now, for me personally, I've had several major life-altering breakthroughs in my life, and not one of them was unaccompanied by a declaration of faith out of my mouth. I have too many to uh, tell you today, but let me just share with you a couple of them. One of them was when my wife and I transitioned out of senior leadership of our church plant, and we went full-time itinerant across the body of Christ and all over the world. When we initially made that transition, whilst we had the promise of what God was calling us to, we didn't have a full calendar of commitments. And every itinerant minister lives by faith. No one's paying their salary except God himself. And so with only a few months of appointments and engagements on the calendar, it meant that the rest of the year, about nine months of the year, was going to be a desperate plea and cry for help from heaven. And so I felt the Holy Spirit put upon my heart to go to that annual calendar to lay my hands upon it and not to pray a desperate begging prayer for God to come through, but in fact to declare the goodness of God over the promises of God over my life and call those things that are not as if they were. And within three weeks of declaring, praying and speaking to my future in ministry, my entire calendar was filled up Sunday after Sunday with opportunities and engagements as well as stuff during the week that I was doing all over the world. And for six straight years, it never let up. I want to tell you there is power in our confession. There is power in joining your declaration with the promises of God in your life. Not only that, but I can remember when I went in the middle of the night and I stood on the front 
property on the front part, front yard of the house that my wife and my family now are blessed to live in, uh, we were desperate to buy a house. And this house that we had looked at was a dream home for us, but we, uh, in the natural and the practical, it was outside of our deposit. It was outside of our initial uh, commitment of what we were able to do. But we just believed that God spoke to us that this would be our house. And we just declared, I, in the middle of the night, I stood on that property and I declared, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, I have given to you from Joshua chapter one. And I began to prophesy over that land and property. And in less than five days on a plane from Melbourne to Singapore, my wife purchased that home and took it off the market before it even got to auction because I'm telling you, if you wanna see a breakthrough in your life, it's not gonna come through wishing for it or from good intentions. It's actually going to require you to partner with the promises of God in your life with a declaration of faith out of your mouth. And God is no respecter of persons. He doesn't look at all the pastors in the world and says, oh, because you're a pastor or because, you know, like you could be like really holy, little do you know, or it could because you've been to Bible college for a gazillion years must mean that God respects you more than every other believer. No, God respects faith. He is looking for people of faith who will partner with Him with their mouths according to His promises. Your confession will bring into your possession that which you declare in faith. How do I know that? Because the Bible confirms it. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will, not you might be, you will, it's a guaranteed promise taken to the bank, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. If God's saving grace is applied to your heart through a confession of faith leading to your salvation, then how much more every other area of our lives? Why is it that we can believe that if someone confesses that Jesus is Lord, and believe in their heart that God raises Jesus from the dead, that we believe they're saved. God's saving grace is at work, regenerating them, redeeming, restoring them. And we believe that they're gonna spend eternity in the presence of God. Why is it that we begin to doubt that our confession and the words that come out of our mouths don't have impact in our temporal present problems? Hebrews 10.23 says this, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Can I encourage you in this season to hold fast the confession of your hope? There are lots of reasons for you to confess a whole lot of other things, but the Hebrew writer says that the only confession that is going to last the distance of time that it has an eternal reward is the confession of our hope. Don't waver in what it is that you are believing for and that God has in fact called you to. Now in Matthew chapter 12, the passage that we read uh, at the start of this message, the Pharisees initiate a war of words with Jesus, accusing Jesus of blasphemy. 
They're actually attributing to Satan what Jesus was accomplishing by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so because of their willful rejection of the Holy Spirit, Jesus launches his own volley of truth like a bazooka aimed at the Pharisees who weren't the most popular group of people with Jesus, generally because they were selfishly motivated. They weren't committed to actually um, honouring or serving or leading the people in a way that would reflect and honour the heart or the truth of God's Word. And so Jesus had a few things to say to them and he said this in response to their accusation. He said, "'Whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven.'" nor in this age or in the one to come. Jesus is literally saying here that a willful rejection of the power of the Holy Spirit by attributing the power of the Holy Spirit to the work of Satan will not be forgiven. I don't know about you, but that's a pretty powerful statement and uh, declaration of truth. Then what Jesus does is he seizes the opportunity to teach a spiritual principle using the metaphor of a tree. Jesus says this in verse 33, either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad for the tree is known by its fruit. Now, I'm sure that you're a bit like me. What on earth does a tree and fruit have to do with the war of words? have to do with the words that are coming out of our mouth. Well, Jesus is teaching that just as there is an organic connection between the roots of the tree and the fruit it produces, so too there is a spiritual connection between the root of our hearts and the fruit of our mouths. Jesus said in verse 34, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You need to understand today there is a direct correlation between the condition of your heart and the content of your mouth. Last week, we talked about how talk is not cheap. And often we treat our words with contempt as if it doesn't mean much, as if it doesn't impact. But I tell you, when you become more word conscious than problem conscious, and you start to elevate the value and power of your words, all of a sudden you start to ask the question, where has that statement, that belief, that ideology, that confession come from? And and Jesus is teaching that it comes from the overflow, the source of our own hearts. Our words are never created in a vacuum. They come from a source. In Genesis chapter 1, God built into creation the power of natural law. And all through Genesis 1, you'll see this phrase that whenever God created something, He reproduced it after its kind. He commanded it. He called it to reproduce after its kind. In Genesis 1.24 is an example. It says, God made living creatures according to their kind, and God saw that it was good. Then when it comes to the human flesh, male and female, Genesis 1.27, the Bible says God made us after his kind, after his own image and his likeness. You see, just as God has designed creation to reproduce itself after its own kind, he has designed you and I spiritually to speak after our own kind. 
to speak out of the overflow of, in fact, what is going on inside of our hearts. Well, Jesus continues his teaching and he likens our hearts to a treasure chest and he likens our words to the treasure that you pull out of the treasure chest. In verse 35, Jesus says, The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. You see, when Jesus speaks of treasure, he's speaking of something of inherent worth and value. And what Jesus is highlighting here is how valuable our words actually are. There is an amazing story in 2 Kings chapter 20 where King Hezekiah opens his storehouse of treasures in Jerusalem to foreigners, to the Babylonians. They're in fact envoys from Babylon visiting Jerusalem and King Hezekiah decided it'd be a brilliant idea to open up all of his storehouses to demonstrate and show all of his wealth and power of his kingdom and everything that Jerusalem had won through the spoils of battle. And so the Babylonians go and they're looking at all the spices and ointments and silver and gold and all of the treasure that are in that storehouse. And after they got a good bird's eye view of what they could take in coming years, prophet Isaiah came to the king and warned him of what was to come because of what he in fact did and said the Babylonians would come back and in fact empty that storehouse, not only conquer the city, but take all of the treasures that God had given to Israel over many years. When we open up our mouth, when, when the storehouse of our mouth opens, we're in fact revealing the treasure or lack of that is contained within our hearts. That's why in Proverbs 4.23, the wisdom writer says, guard your heart with all vigilance, for out of it flow the springs or the issues of life. What does it mean to guard your heart? Well, it means that you guard what you feed it. It means that you closely monitor it. If you think about a security guard over a property, uh, you would hope, unlike uh, what happened at our quarantine hotels in Melbourne recently, that a security guard would actually do their job and do what they're required to do, which would be to closely monitor and to watch what on earth was going on in that property. In the same way, you and I are supposed to closely monitor and watch with vigilance what is going on inside of our hearts. You see, guarding your heart means you guard what you feed it. Think about this. If your primary source of nutrition is Krispy Kreme donuts or Big Macs from McDonald's or iced chocolate, in fact, I heard of someone driving from Melbourne to Wodonga for a Big Mac. I find that a little bit hard to believe, but it's a fantastic news headline. Um, then, you know, if you were feeding yourself Krispy Kreme donuts or Big Macs or iced chocolates, uh, don't be surprised if your body is not in a pretty good state over these stage three restrictions or over these lockdowns uh, because uh, things will go pear-shaped literally very quickly. If your primary source of information is fear, panic, gossip, slander, negativity, then don't be surprised by what comes out of your mouth. 
Whatever you feed your heart will be what comes out of your mouth. Your mouth reproduces what your heart meditates upon. And changing our words begins with changing what we are feeding our hearts. Our word problems cannot be solved by techniques aimed at communication modification. It'll only take you so far, but when fatigue sets in and willpower runs out, you will not have the power, you will not have the grace to be able to experience the transformation that you and I desperately need with the war of words. Winning the war of words begins with the transformation of our hearts, not a technique in our mouths. You see, if the soil of your heart is contaminated, really important you listen to this, if the soil of your heart is contaminated, the fruit of your lips will be contaminated as well. That's why Jesus said to the Pharisees in verse 34, how can you speak good when your heart is evil? It's tight, but it's right. If a tree isn't producing good fruit, there is a problem in the root system of the tree. The problem isn't with the fruit. The problem isn't with the symptoms. The problem is at the root system. A man went to his doctor and he asked his doctor to fix his cough. And he said, doctor, doctor, i got a bad cough. I need some medicine for you to help me to fix this cough. And the doctor said, here, take this medicine. In a few days, your cough should fix itself. So a week goes by, the cough is still there. So the man comes back with a bad cough and says, doctor, doctor, I've still got a bad cough. I need something stronger. I mean, bring on the nuclear powered stuff. I need something to help me get rid of this cough. And so the doctor writes a prescription, gives him some stronger antibiotics and he says over the next week that should fix itself. Well, 10 days go by and his cough has not changed. So the man comes back and he says to the doctor, 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 I've still got a bad cough. And the doctor started to ask some probing questions about his lifestyle and asking the question, are you a smoker? And the man said, oh, yes, I've been smoking for decades. And the doctor said, well, instead of us trying to treat the symptom of your cough, how about you engage in a lifestyle change and quit smoking and maybe your cough might actually shift and change. You see, sometimes I think when it comes to our lives, particularly spiritually, we're treating symptoms rather than dealing with root causes. We're glazing over the surface. We're skimming the surface of our lives, of our relationships, of our things, and we're not really seeing the change and transformation that we are desperately looking for. We have got to deal with the root causes behind the symptoms. And all word problems are heart problems. I want to say that again so that goes deep into your mind, into your psychology and into your spirit. All word problems are heart problems. They find their root in our hearts. Our tongues give us trouble because of Jeremiah 17:9, where the prophet says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And then the prophet answers the question, I, the Lord, is the only one who can understand it. I search the heart. I test the mind to give every man according to the fruit 
of his deeds. Even in that passage of scripture, there is this correlation between the the thoughts in our mind and the meditations of our heart and the fruit of our words and the fruit of our actions and of our deeds. That's why it is pointless to point the finger and blame people and circumstances for your war of words. Because people and circumstances don't cause war of words. They simply reveal the battle that's already going on inside of our hearts. You see, in James chapter 4, verse 1, he speaks to it, the original neuroscientist, Dr. James, and he says, what causes quarrels and fights among you? Is it pandemic circumstances? Is it premieres that we'd like to sit down and give some advice to? Is it, you know, news and media that must take responsibility for their actions and the things that they declare so readily? No, that's not what causes quarrels and fights among you. It's, it's that your passions are at war within you. That's actually where it's coming from. And only the living word can transform the war of words inside of us. In John chapter 1, verse 14, the Bible says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. You see, the God who created communication, he actually came to us as the living word to fix a broken world. The only thing that can fix our broken hearts and our broken confession is the living word, Jesus Christ. In John 12, 48, 49, Jesus says this, the one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. And the word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. You see, Jesus tells us in this passage that the words that he spoke were words that were directed by his Father. And Jesus' warning to the Pharisees is a warning to every single one of us that you and I are to watch our words and weigh our words because God will hold us accountable for every careless word that we speak. Jesus, in verse 36 to 37, closes his war of words back to the Pharisees with this. I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you'll be justified and by your words, you'll be condemned. We're living in a climate where there is a whole lot of war of words happening. Particularly as you find yourself facing restrictions and challenges right where you live. You may be finding that that war of words has come close to your home and to your heart in your own marriage, with your own children, with neighbours, with all sorts of challenges and issues with colleagues in the workplace, can I encourage you to bring your wrestle, to bring your war of words to the only person, the living word that can transform your heart. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of darkness in the heavenly realm. And when we start to point the blame towards others and circumstances, we actually never, ever truly resolve the challenges and the issues that are behind our war of words, and that is the war that's going on in our hearts. I want to pray for you now and pray that God's grace, his strength and his power will sustain you through this season. 
as we continue to explore this War of Words series. I know it's challenging. It's challenging for me. It's challenging for all of us. But God wants us to grow in this area and he wants us to become more like Jesus as we uh, win the victory over this War of Words. Let's pray together. Father, I want to thank you so much for your goodness and your grace. I want to thank you, Father, for the power of your Holy Spirit that empowers us and encourages us, O God, to um, walk in step with the Spirit, and that also applies to our confession and to our words. God, we are conscious of the challenges that we're all facing. We're conscious of the realities that particularly the city of Melbourne, the state of Victoria, and nations and cities all over the world are facing. And Lord, we do lift up our leaders and politicians. We ask God that you give them wisdom and grace. Regardless of our own personal opinions, Lord, they need your wisdom, your grace, and they need an encounter with you that will truly transform them just as much as we do. Lord, we ask that you would help us not to fix blame elsewhere, but to take responsibility for the words that are coming out of our mouths and for our own hearts. That, Lord, we would seek first to understand and then to be understood. That we would not simply be wanting to air our frustrations, but, Lord, we would want to be monitoring our own hearts as to where we're really at. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd forgive us for the times that we have allowed our words to hurt people around about us and to impact, oh God, loved ones and spouses and children and colleagues and neighbours and people all around about us, Father. God, I ask that you would sanctify us, make us more like Jesus and give us an eternal perspective. There's coming a day where we're all going to have to give an account for the words that we speak out of our mouths. We love you, we honour you, and we thank you that the living Word became flesh, dwelt amongst us, and has made a way for us to walk in victory over the war of words. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died, and rose again, conquering sin, Satan, and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead, and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.